Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. Let's talk about several cases in which white people have displayed their thought patterns and coping strategies as they try to live their lives under the current Jewish tyranny. First, let us consider the case of young Chase Allen of Farmington, Utah. Chase was a young white man, 25 years old and clean cut. No one has found a shred of evidence to indicate that he was anything but a decent, caring, moral, law-abiding young man. His mother, Diane Allen, and he were both involved in the non-racial patriot movement, which some call the sovereign citizen movement. Chase had the white man's instinctive love of freedom, and his family, his mother at least, encouraged that. I don't think they had any formal affiliation with any organization. They were just part of a patriot community and shared certain values. Patriots, such as Chase, are usually characterized as anti-government, implying, without actually saying so, that they are some kind of wild-eyed anarchists ready to set off bombs and blow up police stations at a moment's notice. The controlled media regularly parrot the line that sovereign citizens believe the law does not apply to them. Actually, they believe that certain laws are no laws at all and apply to no one. And they also believe that there are other higher laws that are being ignored and ought not to be. That is something quite different from anarchism and libertine irresponsibility. In reality, these patriots are, with few exceptions, simply men and women, 99.9% .9 white men and women, though they are not usually race thinkers, who believe that the current government went off track years ago, routinely violates its own constitution, and has created a huge body of pretended law that is itself blatantly illegal. Their reaction is not to try to reform the government or to launch a revolution against it, but generally to withdraw from it. Many do insist that they will not obey unconstitutional laws and notoriously refuse to bow down to vehicle registration and driver licensing rules. Even the FBI expert on sovereign citizens quoted by KSL, Greg Rogers, stated that sovereign citizens just want to be left alone. Chase Allen, a few days ago, was executed by five apparently white Farmington police officers during a traffic stop in a post office parking lot. The officers have not been identified as far as I know, which seems peculiar. 
Chase was stopped because he had a sovereign citizen license plate on his car, which the officer deemed to be driving without registration. These patriots, note well, do not believe in driving with false license plates so they can commit crimes. They believe that the real laws of the land are different from what the current political establishment says they are. So they have their own plates which comply with law as they believe it really is. I've seen the body cam footage of the traffic stop and subsequent execution, which I have linked above in the text version of this broadcast. Chase, when asked to identify himself, initially said he didn't have to answer questions, though he did answer quite a few of them, citing laws which he believed applied to the situation. When asked for his driver's license, Chase said he didn't have to have one or produce it, though he agreed to provide a passport for ID if the officer would take responsibility for its return. And he did then promptly give his passport to the officer. When Chase started to tell the officer that the passport was just a piece of paper and plastic, we don't get to hear his full point because the officer interrupted him after a few words and said, so this is a counterfeit passport, that's what I'm hearing, and in a few seconds, Chase Allen would be dead. Shortly after the first officer began talking to Chase, he inexplicably called for backup. Chase's family says they've seen evidence that the backup was arranged while the first officer was two blocks away from initially even stopping Chase. The additional four officers arrived so fast, within about a minute, that it's difficult to believe that they weren't already standing by nearby, waiting for the call. When the officers arrive, and Chase's conversation with the first officer is ongoing, the four new arrivals immediately surround Chase's car and start putting on black gloves, which expose their trigger fingers. The purpose of this maneuver isn't clear to me, but perhaps they knew that they were going to use their weapons very soon, which would again be quite odd since Chase had been entirely peaceful had eventually provided ID, and was speaking in a calm tone of voice. Chase did have a legally carried firearm in a holster, but the officers had made no reference to it, and also, strangely, never asked Chase if he had a weapon. After declaring his passport to be a fake after looking at it for two seconds, which claim has not been repeated, the Officer orders Chase to leave the car. Chase says no, and I am not required to. If you try to force me, we'll have an issue. A second officer says, unless he obeys the first officer's command to exit the car immediately, quote, we'll break the window and drag you out, close quote. The officer opens the car's door and starts to grab Chase. Chase reaches down with his right hand, a natural movement that might easily have been to 
unlatch his seatbelt. Unfortunately, the belt latch was right next to his holstered gun, giving a possibly hypersensitive or possibly well-rehearsed officer a reason to shout, Gun, gun, gun! Three magic words, which did not mean Chase was shooting his gun, did not mean Chase was pointing his gun, and did not mean Chase was threatening in any way to use his gun, because Chase did none of these things. These three magic words meant only that his hand was going in the general vicinity of his perfectly legal gun. But they were enough. They were magic words, giving the officers apparently the right to get out their firearms and pour a five-second-long volley of lead directly into Chase's young body. Chase did not survive. The officers First reaction after bizarrely demanding again that the dead Chase show his hands and then handcuffing his dead body was to say that they didn't have, quote, any effing idea, close quote, if Chase had shot his gun at all. It's truly fascinating to observe how police are apparently a very, very different class of citizens from you and I and most everyone else. They can brandish, point, threaten, gang up, and do almost anything with loaded firearms. And that's all perfectly fine, apparently. Usually, nothing happens to them if they do that. But if you so much as move your hand in the direction of a gun in their presence you can be instantly killed with impunity. Most interesting. Police officers are hypersensitive. They are endlessly put in harm's way in the multiracial hellholes where they are required to serve and keep some kind of order among the anthropoids. And they don't want to die. That makes them more and more, as time goes by, into brutes who shoot to kill first and ask questions and come up with excuses later. And police officers are also required to pretend that the anthropoids are our beloved equals and human in every sense of the word. That has made them, many of them anyway, evolve into clever liars who make things up, plant evidence, and generally do whatever it takes to make sure that their unworthy rear ends are in the clear as they navigate the Byzantine and ever-changing rules of the politically correct game they are forced to play. I want nothing to do with either kind of brutes, neither the blue ones nor the black ones. Both are monsters that have been created by the Jewish system that has taken over this country. What we need to do is build our power so we can gain our freedom as a race 
once again. In other words, have our own government again, answerable only to us. That's not something that is accomplished by openly challenging the system's petty demands like auto licensing or traffic tickets or getting out of a car. Let the system have what it wants in small, unimportant things. I disagree with nearly all of the beliefs espoused by these non-racial patriots and sovereign citizens. I agree with them that many laws today brazenly violate the U.S. Constitution, but I don't think the original Constitution is the answer to gaining our freedom again. And I find many of their weird theories about maritime law and corporate law and gold fringes on the flag to be downright nutty. And they're typical, there are a few exceptions, refusal to acknowledge the racial basis of society makes them a destructive force, just like the tyranny they claim to oppose. However, it's nevertheless true that one, many laws are nonsensical. Two, many laws end up being struck down as outrageously illegal themselves. Three, many laws are unjust, even evil. Four, there are now so many laws and regulations in this country that no one person could possibly be aware of them all, much less read them even once. And five, Lawmakers are a notoriously ethically sketchy bunch, so why should anyone revere the laws they make? And consider well the fact that our lawmaking system in the U.S. is based on rule by the majority. And thoughtful people know that Henrik Ibsen was only slightly exaggerating when he said that the minority is sometimes right, while the majority is always wrong. I won't even get into the power of moneyed interests and woke capital to get the laws they want, or the rampant and cynical incompetence and sleaziness of many police departments. So, I see the sovereign citizens as a very flawed but quite understandable reaction to an equally flawed legal system. And there are many good people for whom the idea of following commands, commands of the enforcers of a system that sends drone missiles into apartment houses and mutilates the bodies of adolescent children at the behest of billionaire Jews, is repugnant. Now, there are indeed damaged people who instinctively hate all forms of authority and rebel against all social rules. I don't think that applies to these patriot groups. There are many good people with no pathologies who have possibly encountered horrific injustices at the hands of the authorities, and therefore feel that said system has lost the moral right 
to command anyone. Others may earlier in life have been commanded to commit atrocities in military or law enforcement service themselves and have similarly lost respect for the system they once served. We need to reach good white people. At this stage, we mainly need to reach good white people who still have healthy racial instincts and healthy racial loyalty. And that is what the National Alliance is doing. In many ways, what we need to do is the exact opposite of what the non-racial patriots and sovereign citizens are doing. We don't need their extreme individualism, for example. We need strong, race-based collective action. We don't need their worship of the past. We don't need their legalistic arguments that no system judge will ever acknowledge, even in the rare cases where they are true. And we definitely don't need their race denial. We need organization. Ultimately, we need power. We need to avoid all unnecessary conflict with the state and its law enforcement minions while we build that organization. If that means jumping through a few stupid hoops, we need to swallow our pride and jump through them. 99.9% of what we need to do involves no conflict of any kind. We need to bring like-minded and trustworthy individuals and families together. We need to build an economic base for them. We need an effective outreach program. We need to get strong enough so that we survive across multiple generations. We need to grow our numbers and our economic muscle to the point where, at least locally, Enemies are afraid to cross us. We need to be choosing who shall judge and who shall command the police and who shall write the local laws. We need to be able to determine what shall be taught to our children and many other things. Once we can do these things locally, we need to plant colonies in other counties, other states, other countries. And then, if we do right, there will come a time when the racially conscious white people of the National Alliance will build a new nation. I'm asking you to start doing right today. I'll be discussing other examples of white psychology under Jewish tyranny in future programs. Until next time, this is Kevin Alfred Strom reminding you of the words of Richard Berkeley Cotton. Freedom is not free. Free men are not equal. And equal men are not free. (laughs) ¶¶